It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. That is a rather unusual penalty for Patrick Marlowe to take, and he does not look happy with it. At 4-10 of the third period, so the Blues are on the power play for the third time in this game. 2-2 the score. Patrick Marlowe. Face-off violation, Patrick Martel is in there to, maybe he's just serving it. I don't know if it's against him. Off the face-off, they score! Ryan O'Reilly on the right-wing side is deadly with the shot, and he puts it up top and beats Dubnik. Blues, just as quickly as that, lead 3-2 to two with a power play goal. Boy, that hurts terribly. Uh, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I, I think everybody in the rink, including the, their team, our team, I think is the other linesmen, the refs. I think everybody was shocked. It was a, a brutal, brutal call. It really, in my mind, cost, it turned the whole game around. And, uh, you know, it took the game out of our hands a little bit there. And now we're playing catch up and trying to cheat. And, uh, you know, just, it's just, uh, it's ridiculous. I haven't seen that call. I don't know how long. I, I know this year I haven't seen that call. So I may be throughout the whole league. So that is, uh, that one hurts. Whew. Good morning, everyone. I, I don't know. I thought we were done with the unbelievable pain game that we had been playing over the past three games. I mean, I was thinking that, yeah, those those games were bad, but that's a trend that's got to end. The Sharks have got to find a way to win one, and obviously they did not find a way to win one, but it came in utterly absurd and confusing and just nonsensical, a call that changed the entirety of the game there. I mean, you heard Bugner bringing us in. It changed the complexion of the game. You have a 2-2 game. Late in the third, and a call that you so rarely, rarely see puts St. Louis on the power play, and they score immediately to take the lead. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was in the arena last night. I'd been there for the past two nights. It's always good to be back at the tank, even in the fanless weird capacity with which we are experiencing the games there right now. Uh, but I'm sitting there watching the game, and suddenly they call a penalty, and Patty's skating off, and I'm thinking, what did I miss? What happened? What what? And then they make the call for a face-off violation. And I was thinking, but but what? And I still don't see it. I still, I've watched the replays. I still don't see the issue versus 99% of other face-offs that I see over the course of a game. Guys are going to cheat. And the problem with the rule right now and the problem with the way the face-offs are being conducted, the refs won't drop the puck. Everyone's trying to cheat. There's no doubt about it. But there was nothing there that I saw that was more egregious or worthy of a call in that situation. And it changed everything. And I'm not one to complain about the refs usually. My take in these instances is that don't put yourself in a position where the referees can change everything and you, you, you take care of business on your own so that if something like that does happen, it doesn't change everything. But the Sharks right now aren't good enough and aren't able to absorb a call of that magnitude at that point in the game. If this was a previous version squad, if this was the 2018-2019 team, something like that, 
you can overcome it. And you can go down 3-2 in the third and find yourself a 4-3 win or whatever it's going to take. This team is not that team. They do not have that talent across the board on the ice out right now. And a call like that is just too much. It's just too much for the Sharks to have to deal with. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it because I, I hate being in this position where I'm saying, oh, well, the referees cost the Sharks the game. And, or at least I don't want to be perceived that way, even though I feel that that was a factor. The officiating did not cost the Sharks the game. The officiating changed the complexion of the game, which helped the Blues win. The Sharks were playing a good game yet again. You're 2-2 in the third against a high-quality Blues opposition, and you're doing what you think you need to do to give yourself a win. The Sharks were doing everything right up to that point in the game. They weren't doing everything perfectly, but they were giving themselves a chance to win. You're up 1-0 early. You go down 2-1 by the end of the first. You have a second period where you come back and tie the game. You know it's going to be a hard-fought battle in the third. You expect to be given the opportunity to win that game on your own, not have the opposition given a huge boost to go out there and win the game. And it just seems to be piling on on top of the San Jose Sharks right now. They are falling just short in multiple games now, four in a row. And I know that you're going to say, well, Ted, the final score was not a just short game. That was a just short game for the Sharks, though, in how it presented. Because you're 2-2 in the third, and then one penalty changes everything. And if the complaint is that you can't just let one play change everything, My counter to that is that when you're a team that is like the Sharks are right now, not a powerhouse, that can change everything. And it does change everything, and it certainly did for the Sharks last night. I would have loved to have seen the Sharks not fall behind 2-1 to in the first period. I would have loved to have seen some of those looks from Tomas Hurdle last night get rewarded. Some of the other shots that I thought the Sharks did a good job in creating opportunities, it just didn't go down that way. But there was nothing up to that point of the game where I was saying to myself, boy, the Sharks have really screwed themselves tonight. They're not going to be able to get it done. At that point, I thought to myself, well, if the Sharks win this game, it's going to be a great effort win. It's going to be one of those character wins that we've heard Bob Bugner talk about. If the Sharks lose this game, it's not going to be for a lack of effort. It's not going to be because they didn't put forth a very good performance. And then that call happens. And I'm sitting there in the arena wearing my mask so no one could read my lips. And I just say, you got to be effing kidding me. You got to be effing kidding me. And I'm looking around like there's somebody who's going to agree with me, even though there's no one within, you know, 100 feet of me in either direction. But I was flabbergasted with the call, frustrated with the results, mostly just wondering what's next for the San Jose Sharks as they seemingly continue on a uh, roll of bad breaks after bad breaks after bad breaks. And the thing that was amazing to me, and this is how you know when something is incorrect, because we live in a very polarized society There's not a whole lot these days that people agree upon. Just take any topic on social media and go look at the results and see the completely different ends of the spectrum in which you will get answers. Everyone seemed to agree that that was an awful call. Blues fans, Sharks fans, hockey Twitter, the thread on Reddit that was not in the Sharks thread or in the Blues thread, but just the general R hockey thread. Everyone seemed to think that that was an absolutely awful call question I saw people asking was why Bob Bugner said, you know, you don't give that call to Patrick Marlowe. And people were saying, what does Patty Marlowe have a different set of rules? No, Patrick Marlowe does not have a different set of rules, but he is well aware of the existing rules and he knows how to conduct himself in the circle. He knows what is allowed and what is not allowed. He is not the guy that needs chiding. He has been in this league for too long. He has been in too many face-offs. 
He has been in too many situations in, in big moments or in tight games like we saw last night to be the one committing those errors. And for that penalty to come down against him, that's what made it so beyond comprehension. If that comes down against a rookie, it's still an odd call, but you think to yourself, the rookie hasn't been there. He hasn't been in these situations. He doesn't know the rules quite as well. He's going to try and get away with cheating, but it might be more egregious. It might be a little bit more obvious because he's not as nuanced and not as experienced with the game. That is the difference between that call going to somebody else and going to Patty Marlowe. He simply knows better, and he's not going to put himself in a position to get that call. And that is my answer to the idea that there's a different set of rules for Patty Marlowe. It's not that there's anything different for him. It's just that he's so well aware of them at this point in his career. And he doesn't need to be told how to play the game. He's been playing it the right way, and he's about to have been playing it the right way for more games than anyone in NHL history. And the other comeback you get after that point is, well, don't give up a power play goal. I'm not going to say that that is the incorrect or wrong assessment, but that's also not the right assessment. The Sharks are not a world beater. Again, I keep on coming back to that. If you are a team that is loaded with talent, if you are a team that is absolutely destroying teams, you have the ability to come back in that situation or you have the ability to get that kill. It's different when you are a high-level opposition. Like if that had happened to Vegas, if that had happened to the Blues, if that had happened to the Avs, we're talking about a different team in a different scenario. For the Sharks, it's adversity, it's adversity, it's adversity, it's bad breaks, it's close losses, it's nothing going their way as of late, and sometimes it can just be the straw that broke the camel's back. And I think that's what Bob Bugner was so ticked off about last night, because if you want to have something that does break your back, you want to be well aware of what caused it. You want to be the problem at the end of the day. You want to point to this and say, we made that mistake, we put ourselves in that position to lose. But that's not what happened to the Sharks last night. The Sharks have put themselves in a position to win, and a bad call from the officials put the Sharks in a position to lose. It was not of their own doing. If you shoot yourself in the foot, you have every right to be pissed off at yourself, and at least there's some, I don't know about self-satisfaction, but you feel like you were at least in control of your own destiny, and you screwed up. When the control is taken out of your hands and put elsewhere, it makes it that much more frustrating. You want control of your reality in sports at the end of the day. You want to be able to point to yourself and say, that's on me, that's on us, that was our mistake, we did this, now we're paying for it. Instead, something that seems relatively arbitrary in the grand scheme of that game, or the play that decided the way that the game was going to change, had nothing to do with anything that had been evidenced on the ice up to that point of the game. That's why Bugner was so ticked off in his post-game comments. That's why Devin Dubnik was so ticked off in his post-game comments. All Smiles Tommy Hurdle was pissed off in his comments. Patrick Marlowe tried to play it a little bit more cool because that's how Patty is, and he's not going to go out there and slam anyone, but he seemed to be perplexed, and Marlowe knows what to be perplexed about. He's played a lot of hockey. In his body language, going to the bin after that call was made told you all you need to know. If he's guilty, he's going to accept it. That did not look like a guilty man skating off the ice. That looked like a frustrated, confused, and bewildered player. And I cannot think of the last time that I used any of those terms to describe Patrick Marlowe. And this is where we're going to learn a lot about this Sharks team because it has been an unbelievable bout of adversity. You play four games in six nights in the past week in which you feel like you've given yourself a chance 
to win each and every single one of those games, and you walk away mostly empty-handed. You get one point in an overtime loss in the third game of the last four against St. Louis on Friday night. It's not a good feeling. All that hard work, all the things right that you've been doing, it feels like it's all for naught for the San Jose Sharks right now because we heard Logan Couture earlier this week, moral victories suck. And I know that we keep on talking about the idea that the Sharks are an improving team and they are getting better week after week. The grand scheme of what we're seeing is a team that's improving. You need to have these results pay off in tangible points on the board. You need it to show up in the wins column. And right now, the Sharks, despite their best efforts, the rewards aren't coming. And that has a drag effect on a team. That has a wear on a team. That leads them to believe or leads them to feel like they just can't do enough to get the win. So I'm going to be very, very, very intrigued to see how they come out against the Kings in these next two games. Uh, They are huge games. The Sharks were treating this series against the Blues huge games. They're all huge games for the Sharks. It's a shortened season. They're fighting to try and stay alive in the playoff race in the last week of which they gave themselves again. Four chances to win games, all four of them they lost, and you have to imagine the frustrations are building. I mean, think how you feel right now. I think of how I feel. It's not like I'm the one that's out there playing on the ice. I'm just reacting to the results. These are the guys that are putting in the hard work. These are the guys in which the results are based. They're doing the right things, and they're not finding those wins. So these games coming up against the Kings are going to be huge, and it's going to be hard for Bob Bugner to keep on repeating that message to his guys because I think that a little bit of that doubt creeps in that it's just not good enough, that their best efforts are not enough to get these wins in these close games. And these are human beings with human brains and humans' emotions and a human's reactions. They are not going to just forget this as easily as we all want them to. And you would hope that they're able to internalize the anger that they feel over this recent spate of results and turn that into a high-quality performance against a Kings team that's a little bit ahead of the Sharks and trying to vie for that final spot in the West. You just hope that the hole for the Sharks right now doesn't feel too deep to them when they take the ice in these games. You hope that it is still feeling like something that is worthy of their battle. And that's not to say that there's any quit in these guys, but I think it's just, it adds up. You know, over the course of that game against St. Louis, it added up. Over the course of that series against St. Louis, it added up. And I think that these small battles that are being lost or these small things that are going against the Sharks as of late it does have a cumulative effect. And that's why, again, I'm so intrigued to see how they come out against LA. And the credit that I give the Sharks right now is that after many, many damaging losses this year, they've come back with really high-quality performances. And it's a testament to Bob Bugner. It's a testament to the leadership core within the San Jose Sharks dressing room. You appreciate the fact that they're able to bounce back, but you also wonder what is the end point. When are they no longer able to just keep on bouncing back? Because you can't just bounce back forever. You feel like you have to be rewarded at some point. You feel like you have to be able to get a tangible uh, result with what you're putting out there on the ice. And for the Sharks right now, the only way to get that tangible result is to put their heads down and plow through all the negativity that I'm sure is swirling about their heads right now. I don't feel like there's negativity with the Sharks dressing room. I don't feel like there's negativity with the Sharks on the ice. You know, being there in person, you get to hear more of the communication. You get to see the way these guys interact with each other. You get to see warm-ups. You get to take it more of it in than you do on television. And that's, you know, that's the great loss for all of us in sports over the past year. The coverage changes, your own ability to go and read the room, the media's ability to read the room after games. You all know when something's up. And so for this past year of sports, and particularly with this season, 
of hockey and what we've been watching, you're a little bit removed, right? You don't get to get the same reactions in the post game as much as you ask ask guys questions in a post game Zoom room. It's still not the same as being in there and feeling the emotional vibe of a team. But what I was watching last night in terms of the Sharks, like I said, in warmups, watching them on the bench during the game, watching the way they were playing and talking to each other during the commercials, they all feel like they're locked in. They feel like they are bought in on what Bob Bugner is selling. The problems that were evidenced last year, it doesn't appear to be the same thing at all, at least not on the ice. You know, I'm not able to go into the dressing room after the games and do the post-game interviews like I had been able to in the past. And you've been able to tell that some things were problematic last year, but I, I don't think it's maybe as bad as people thought it was. I think you just had a team that had high expectations and wasn't living up to those, and those frustrations are going to manifest. It's interesting to watch now over the next couple games and next couple weeks how the frustrations of a team that does not have the same type of expectations manifest themselves, how it puts the Sharks in terms of what they are able to do to really rally the troops and continue to try and fight through adversity. The fight through adversity builds you into a better team if you fight through to positivity. If you fight through to losses, that has a negative effect. And it's something that happens to bad teams where the effort snowballs into negative results and things get out of control. That's the comparison to last year. The comparison this year is yet to be made other than we know that the team is still fighting, is still vying for wins, is still putting themselves in a position to win. But putting yourself in a position to win versus actually getting that win, those are two entirely different things. All right, we're going to take a break. On the other side, we're going to get into more of the post-game commentary from the Sharks and their head coach after that awful, awful loss against St. Louis. Coors Light wants to help you catch a Sharks game from the best seats in the house. Just share a photo of your Sharks at-home game setup to sjsharks.com slash home ice for a chance to win Coors Light Silver Seats tickets, Sharks gear, and more. Winners will be chosen weekly. So post a pic showing how you watch the Sharks to sjsharks.com slash home ice today. 2021 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Must be 21 or older. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Yeah, uh, pretty obvious. It's embarrassing. Uh, you know, we're playing a game that, uh, that we consider a playoff game, and it's 2-2 in the middle of the third period, and you get a penalty called that I don't think I've ever seen called, except for maybe the first year of, of uh, exhibition season when they first made the rule. And uh, it's embarrassing. It's Mickey Mouse. I mean, I don't care. I don't care if you want to say follow the rule book. It's completely ridiculous to make a call like that in a 2-2 hockey game in the third period in the middle of the season. I don't, I don't know what else to say. It's, it's, it's incredible. That is Sharks netminder Devin Dubnik bringing us back in on a Sunday morning here on Morning Tide as we continue to react to the rather unusual call with regard to Patty Marlowe and the face-off violation penalty that changed everything in the third period last night and what was a 2-2 game against the Blues. This is how Dan Rusinowski and Mark Smith responded to it in real time here on the Sharks Audio Network. They call that a bench minor for a face-off violation. What did you see occurred there? I honestly didn't see that, so not sure exactly what the I'm not sure either. Was, a, was that on that one. Now Marlowe went to the box and served it. And he didn't look too happy doing it either. And the calls on the ice should not be surprising or flummoxing to two longtime pros 
like Dan Rusinowski and Mark Smith. That, to me, is one of the troubling aspects of this, is when you want to convey the game to your fans, when you want to convey the game to everybody at home, it should be evident right off the bat what exactly the call is. Everybody who's watching the game should be able to see it. We do know that relatively ticky-tack things happen from time to time, but it should be completely obvious. Here's a little bit more from Dan and Mark in the postgame when they were discussing the penalty. That is a bench minor, but Patrick Marlowe apparently did not put his stick down, and that is the nitpicky reason why they called the penalty. It's not a penalty issue to Marlowe, but Patrick was not happy at all going to the box, and the Blues got that critical goal from Ryan O'Reilly to go off to the races. So actually, I, I actually watched the, the replay on that to, to make sure it was going on, and what happened was uh, I think it was Timo Meyer originally got kicked out. And so Patty Marlowe came in as the second guy, and, and uh, I guess Patty Marlowe didn't put his, put his uh, stick down and they kicked Patty Marlowe out. So when you kick two guys out of the faceoff, that's a faceoff violation, thus the penalty. So unfortunate for the Sharks. Usually they don't call that, and the linesman called that. So Usually they, don't, they let him yeah, get away with that. Yeah, especially, you know, after the second one. So All right. Then another bad break, but that's another bad penalty for the Sharks. Uh, in the third, we've seen that a couple games in a row here. So... Uh, Unfortunate. That's something Sharks got to take care of, and just that's kind of a bad break there for Patty Marlowe. So it's an aberration in terms of a call, and when we call it out as an aberration or say it's abnormal, that doesn't do anything for the Sharks. That doesn't do anything for you at home to feel better about what you saw or what you were listening to. It just means that everyone is waking up this morning that much more frustrated and that much more overall upset with the way it went down. The one thing I will say. And Mark Smith pointed it out there is that this is a recent history of the Sharks taking bad penalties in the third period, and it's something that they have to clean up. We know the Sharks have to be nearly perfect to win games right now. That is how they are situated. It is a harsh reality. It is a stark reality, but they know that they cannot give the opposition anything or else it's probably going to cost them. And so one of the things I'll be paying attention to for the Sharks in these games coming up against the Kings is whether or not they're able to avoid bad penalties in the third. And for the Sharks right now, it's a situation where they're trying to just plug all the holes. I mean, we saw earlier in the year, the goaltending wasn't always giving them a chance to win. That's been better as of late. The second period was their bugaboo. That's been better as of late. It seems like the Sharks are doing better in the face-off circle. It seems like the defensive miscues are not happening to the same extent, but these new problems just keep on arising. I mean, that is the nature of what's happening with the Sharks right now. It's bad break after bad break, after bad break. And again, it's more digestible if you do it to yourself because at least you know where to point the finger of blame, right? You know where to look right in the mirror and say, this is on me or this is on us. And here is how we go about fixing it. Instead, you have a situation last night that just leaves an awful taste in your mouth and thinking about what could have been in what was a big game for the Sharks. Uh, but there's really no explanation for it. It's just a horrible call. But I don't know. I guess that he spun too early or something. I don't know. If I have watched it three times, it's completely fine. Uh, it's Patty Marlowe, by the way. The guy's the guy's going to set Gordy Howe's record, and you threw him in the box and it affected the whole game. And just, like, use your head. And more from head coach Bob Bugner on where the Sharks were up to that point of the game. We're fine. We're fine. We're in a game 2-2. Two, two. Uh, I didn't like our first period. I liked our second period. We're in the game and, uh, you know, we're, we're limiting their chances. Um, you know, it was, it was a hockey game that looked like both teams played back to back was our sixth game and nine nights. I thought that, uh, um, you know, we were in a good position and, uh, you know, the game completely changed. And you feel the frustration for Bugner right there. And you understand the frustration because again, when control is taken out of your hands, 
and put elsewhere over the course of a game when you're not given the opportunity to rectify, when you're not given the opportunity to control your fate, that's going to drive a coach nuts. I know it drives a fan nuts. There's no doubt about it. I saw people's reactions on social media. Everyone was absolutely befuddled by that call, including one Patrick Marlowe. I saw it one way. I guess the linesman saw it another. So I thought it was a, a good, clean draw. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, obviously, he saw it different and, uh, you know, changed, changed the game. You might ask yourself, has this happened to Marlowe before? Uh, I don't believe so, no. And just a little bit more from Patty on the overall narrative and how it was impacted by that call. You no, know, I think, you know, linesmen or refs are going to make the calls when they, when they see them. Obviously, you're not going to uh, agree with it every time. Um, you know, players... Players saw it similar to what what I saw, and you know, it just it just it sucks because it was a huge huge game for us and uh, big points for us, and uh, you know, like I said, it, it kind of changed the game. They got on a power play, got a power play goal, and uh, you know, there was still time for us to come back, but uh, you know, we didn't uh, we weren't able to. And again, I talked about the inevitable response we're going to get from the Sharks against the Kings and how we're going to see them come out, but you can just you can feel that frustration in the voices of all these players, and you know that. It wears on the guys. And listen, Patrick Marlowe has nothing left to prove to anybody. He has done as much as a guy can ever do over the course of a career. But it feels like when you listen to him talk about this one that it stung. And you heard that in Devin Dubnik. And you heard that from Bugner. And even All Smiles' Tomas Hurdle seemed pretty ticked off as well. Yeah, it's a tough call, you know. It's especially, you know, I think a lot of momentum because I think we get like a couple of chances. But, you know, it's what we can say is, you know, tough call and... I never saw it. You know, guy, he got 1,700 games. Even if he cheat like crazy, you get kickoffs, kick off. But you know, I think it's tough call because when I saw it, I think Patty just timed it great. And I think on the rough side, I think he forgot he kicked me already off because he was himself kind of surprised because he kind of tell him like a party, you know, like next guy. And after start, everybody starts screaming. So I don't think so. He noticed he already kicked me off. So it's tough call because I think, you know, in the early, especially I think our line, we, we have the momentum. We've been all over. We get a couple of chances, you know, we win the face off and, you know, we get a shorthand and they score. So it's kind of kill us, you know, and it's, it's tough, you know, because I think last four games we've been so close and we got one point, which is really shitty right now. So, yeah, you got Tommy Hurdle swearing in postgame pressers, so you know that that might describe the mood of the team right now. And you you hope that this can be something that can galvanize the team. And we've looked for different moments of galvanization with the Sharks this year, whether it was the hit on Shimmick that kind of brought them together. That was a moment where the Sharks didn't respond the right way, and Bob Bugner called out his team. And since then, the Sharks have responded the right way. And now this will be another interesting point for the Sharks to see if they can put together that team effort that they're going to need against the LA Kings. And again, there's there's two ways that it can go in situations like these where things aren't going your way. It can either cause you to fall apart or it can cause you to come together. And you hope that for the San Jose Sharks right now, that it causes them to come together, that they all look at the, the, the situation and say it's a bit of a us versus the world mentality, that they're not getting the calls, that they are not getting the respect, that even a guy like Patrick Marlowe, who's going to go down as one of the all-time legends of the game, that he's not even getting the benefit of the doubt. Make it an us-versus-them situation or do whatever you have to do to find that extra motivation. And I feel like Bob Bugner, you know, usually even after tough losses, he's been relatively good. He hasn't been getting too ticked off and he's, you know, not wanted to call out officials or anything like that because I, I know he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to get fined. He doesn't want to paint that picture. He was pretty clear-cut and blunt last night, and there's only been a couple pressers this year 
even though there have been some really gut-punching losses where Bugner's been hot. There have been three, and the two that I remember of those three were one game in St. Louis where the Sharks went up two two goals early and then even scored four goals on the road and lost and won the special teams battle. That was one of them. And then the other one was last night. There was one other game in which he was a little bit ticked off afterwards, but not to the same extent. But you could hear it last night when he was talking. He was just... He's a frustrated head coach because he feels like he's doing the right things by his team. A coach never wants to be in a situation where he feels like he is doing the wrong things and that is yielding the improper results. I think the frustrating thing for Bob Bugner right now is that for him, he's doing the right things, but the results aren't there. He's got his team playing better than they were earlier in the year or even better than they were two weeks ago, and the results aren't there. You know, this is where coaching truly comes in. This is where it goes beyond the X's and O's. This is where it goes beyond tactics and schematics the coaches have to find ways a to put players in the best position to perform at their highest levels within the given system that they are running and then b they also have to make guys believe and i know that can sound cheesy at times i know that can sound a little bit over the top but i 100 believe that for head coaches at the professional level they have to find new and different ways for finding motivation within their squad. It's not just enough for these guys to say, well, you're getting paid X amount of money, so you have to come out and perform. They are human beings. I will go back to that every single time I've been around professional sports my entire life. You know, when I was 10, 11 years old, I got my first trip into a locker room after a playoff loss. Paycheck didn't matter. Career accomplishments didn't matter. Nothing mattered at that point but the win that they didn't get. So while, yes, these are professional athletes earning a living off of playing the sport, they are still human beings, and it's not always as easy as we think it is to just move on to the next game. But the reality is that's exactly what the Sharks team has to do. They have to figure out how to put it behind them and come out ready for an emotional start against L.A. because that's exactly what this team is going to need. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. I will see you all on Tuesday morning after game one against the Kings. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.